Morgen, Venner. <laughs> That's good morning in Norwegian, by the way. Right. Okay. Because it was like a. I thought it, I thought you were just speaking retarded German. <laughs> we are, if nothing else, worldly here, Ben. Uh, obviously, I'm not. <laughs> we're going to get all Scandinavian on people's asses today, for a little bit anyway. <laughs> but first, let's get the formalities out of the way. Welcome everybody to the show. This is Good Movie Monday, the podcast dedicated to nerdy cinematic ramblings. My name is Glenn Cochran. And you all know Ben Helwig, the king of Aromagrot. <laughs> it's a sour cream porridge. Oh, Norwegian. I, I am the king of sour cream porridge. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that sounds delicious or disgusting. It's not. It's definitely not delicious once I've finished with it. <laughs> How's the it problem going? is it comes out the same way it goes in. Oh, mate. <laughs> White? <laughs> How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm not too bad. Here we are in an all-new setup. Yeah, we're in the... Uh, the, the new Casa de Cochran. <laughs> I guess that's what you want to call it. Yeah. Um, we'll call it Good Movie Monday Headquarters. HQ. <laughs> HQ. And um, we didn't fix that sound problem. <laughs> <laughs> it's still bouncing off the walls here. It is, but that's, uh, you know, I'm sure once you get some, some rugs up on the walls <laughs> yeah. and dampen some... I just reckon talk closer to the microphones and we should solve the problem, maybe. <laughs> is, that how, is that how it works? <laughs> yeah, maybe. So this week... We have a special guest, Daniel Steisen. Now, things changed up a little bit. I, I believe on last week's show, I announced that we'd be talking to Tom Matthews this week. Yeah, you got, got us all excited. I know. Well, it's just, you know, a little bit of a cock tease, I think. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to have to hang out a little bit longer. But we've got Daniel Steisen, a Norwegian tough guy who is um, on track to becoming the new Arnold Schwarzenegger. And, and if you haven't heard of this guy, keep listening because we're going to fill you in about him and, and tell you what he's all about because he's, he's doing some cool stuff out there in the whole uh, director video world. Some quality stuff, Ben. Well, that's that's really all you need. His new quality movie stuff. is called The Siege, which is quite good. It's brutal. It's whimsical. And he's making the type of movies, movies that we love here at Good Movie Monday. So I'm excited about that. Here's the question for you, though. If Van Damme is the, the muscles from Brussels, what, mate, what what's Daniel Steisen? And what rhymes with Oslo? I've been trying to rack my brain. <laughs> I can't think of anything. You've gotten to the end of the show to try and come up with something. All right. <laughs> Uh, anyway, that chat's coming up in a little bit. Uh, now, you all know about us and what we do, but for the benefit of new people that have come to the show, our website is goodmoviemonday.com, and that's a full archive of every episode we've ever produced. Hundreds of videos, bonus video content. Uh, we have interviews with celebrities. We have a spin-off podcast. And um, you can find our way to all of our social media pages through there as well. Just uh, click on whichever one you want. Give us a like and a follow. We appreciate that. Um, and we encourage interaction. So drop us a line. Comment on our posts and we will, uh, we will respond kindly. Uh, a bit later up on the show, we have the guys from the Bonehead Weekly podcast dropping by to impart their Kentucky-branded boneheadery. And in a moment, we're going to be chatting with Jarrett Garn from Monster Pictures about what physical media is uh, being released this week. But All right, I've got one already. Okay. <laughs> You've been sitting there thinking about that. I've been thinking about it. He's the... It's going to be terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so so bad, yet great. Yep. He's the Arnold Vosloo of Oslo. <laughs> 
All he needs to be is in the mummy four. four yeah. And, you know, we're good to go. And he's good to go, yeah. Or, or in hard target. Is it hard target two? Is it hard target? What's the John oh, Woo one? Oh, the John Woo one. Yeah, that's hard target. Yep, yeah. yep. He's in that one and he's he's great. In, he's in the new Jack Ryan series. Say, he's so great in that. Bam in that one. So. Yeah. <laughs> so there we go. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think of more, but that's a good one. Yeah. Um, See if you can come up with any more. Yeah. Is there any? I don't know any other cities from Norway. That's the problem. That's is only yeah Oslo. Yeah, <laughs> but anyway. I guess we could think of something that rhymes with Norway. Oh yeah, the doorway. <laughs> the doorway <laughs> from <laughs> Norway. <laughs> He's built like a brick shit house, so he could be you know. The <laughs> they have I doorways. <laughs> I don't know. You get me off uh, off script, and I have no idea what I'm talking about, Ben. <laughs> Welcome to my world. <laughs> have you been watching anything in the last week? Uh, yeah, look, I funnily enough, I finally decided to uh, catch up on Mad Men, the TV uh, show. Yep. <laughs> so I've been, I've been pounding my way through that through that show. Like I think I've done six seasons in the week, but I'm very, very liberal with the fast forward button. Oh, right. I'm just, I'm not interested in any of their personal do- shit. Yep. All I want is the is the the cool stuff that happens in the office, the business stuff. I right. like a good business drama. So you just fast forward to the office scenes. So just the office scenes, yeah. Right. Which is weird considering <laughs> it's Mad Men. Yeah. But I did take a break from that, uh, and finally decided to check out. Um, Jerry and Marge go large. Oh, yeah, I haven't seen that. Is it Which, good? It, it look, it's a bit of fun. I mean, people who know me in real life, and you will certainly know this, Glenn. <laughs> I am obsessed with winning the lottery. Yeah. My my whole life is based on like all my future plans are all based on one day winning, winning the lottery because I have no skills, <laughs> no ambition, no talent, and uh, I can't I can't even I can't even sell stuff that I own for for money on eBay. That's how useless of a human being I it am. It will happen though. So uh, yeah, look, it's got to. <laughs> I mean, if 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 my life is a movie and I'm the star, it has to. It just has to happen. Even if it's the the day that I, you know, the day before I die, it's got to happen. Do you ever see that bastard on a current affair that won like forty grand on a scratchy and they went to reenact it at the news agency and he bought another ticket and won another twenty grand? <laughs> what an asshole! What a piece of shit! <laughs> um, and the, basically, that's what that's what this movie is about. It's about this old couple. Yeah. It's it's not really an old couple, but it's it's um, it is an old couple. But it, the the guy who figures it out, it's um, Brian Cranston. That's right. He figures out that um, mathematically, on this certain type of lottery system, yeah. If you the more you spend, like once you once you spend over two grand, mathematically with the way that the lottery works, you will win more than you spend. Right. So he spends two grand, he wins four. Yeah. He spends four grand, he wins twelve. Sure. So <laughs> he kind of he figures out this this system, and he basically uses them, and he keeps he gets the whole his whole town, which is closing down because of the, you know, the uh, local plant that he worked at for twenty years is closing down, and he's a, like a maths whiz. Yep. But like all good math whizzes, socially awkward. <laughs> And, it, and so then he and his wife, played by Annette Benning, they rope the whole town in. Yeah. And so they all put their money into the pot <laughs> and start winning the lottery. And the lottery, the lottery company don't mind because all of a sudden they've gone from a, from a no-name lottery to all of a sudden they're making all this money on the lottery tickets. Yeah, yeah. So they're, you know, quite happy. 
to, to kind of let him go with the system. But then there's there's rival. Someone else figures out the system and all this stuff happens. It's it's just a, it's just a bit of fun. It's directed by the guy who did Devil Wears Prada. Oh, yes. So Rain Wilson's in it. What you're telling us is it's not a sequel to Kevin and Perry. No, unfortunately, yeah, <laughs> uh, no. Or that other one, that Barb and... <laughs> there's a lot of go larges out there, isn't of, there? Yeah. It's like a carry-on franchise. I, I wish... <laughs> I wish this was 30 years ago and a carry-on <laughs> film starring Annette Benning. That'd be no, great. But it could be the new go-large franchise. No? Okay. okay. Well, I'm, I'm nodding my head. I'm sorry, it's, it's not coming through on the radio. But, uh, I mean, if there was a movie that's just Ben Goes Large and is just a, a, like a... A, uh, it's been at the drive-thru? A time-lapse, yeah. time-lapse <laughs> movie of me at KFC. <laughs> and then I become their, their biggest customer and I demand that hot rods go onto the permanent menu. <laughs> That's what the movie's about. You it's one man's, one man's plight to try and get hot rods. Uh, Best thing about hot rods is you've got a toothpick afterwards. Damn straight. <laughs> Damn straight. Can we just pause the show? Let's yeah. go to KFC. <laughs> I Did somebody say KFC? <laughs> I love it. It is that time of the show where I talk to you about Newsly. It'll just take a moment. Bear with me. And I mean this sincerely. Please listen to us on the Newsly app. It is a super app. It is incredible. It takes all of the news articles from around the world and funnels them into the palm of your hand. It's curated to your liking. So whether you like sports, drama, comedy, uh, you might like uh, religion, you might like politics, whatever it is you're into, Newsly funnels it into your hand. And the best part is it reads it all out to you in a natural human voice. So if you're on the train on the way to work, you might be driving, you haven't got time to read, maybe you can't read. Newsly's got you covered. It reads it all back to you in a natural human voice. And the best part is it has all of the podcasts you could want, including ours, Good Movie Monday, as well as Wednesday Up Late. And uh, get it now. And if you want a free, a free month of premium, all you got to do is use the code word Monday, M-N-D-A-Y, Monday without the O, and, uh, and you got it. So Newsly, whack it in your phone, listen to us there. On with the show. Well, Ben, it's that moment we've been waiting for on the show, you know, since we started and we haven't been uh, able to contain ourselves. It's Jared. Hey, guys. <laughs> How are you, mate? Good. Very good. Very good. It's another light on week for home entertainment this week. So What's going on? Don't get too excited at this point. <laughs> but I, yeah, it's it's baffling. I, I honestly don't know. I think it's a bit of a dry spell of releases at the moment and certainly... Nothing spectacular this week, although one of the titles I did really enjoy, but it's not like it's a tentpole, you know, major distributor title. But yeah, we've got Mad Men coming out this week, and they've got two releases that are hitting DVD and Blu-ray. The first of which is no doubt one that'll pique your interest, uh, Glenn. It's <laughs> Savage Salvation coming out right. of DVD and Blu-ray. <laughs> yes. This is like another DTV actioner that stars like A-listers that are collecting a paycheck robert de niro and john malkovich in this one and i don't know it's hard to get excited about this <laughs> at all to be honest like i mean it's what, what what are these guys doing they're in the twilight of their careers and i know that they they want to make a little money but surely they've made enough money not to destroy the legacy that they've created with the great films they've done i read the other day uh, i don't know if it was, was it an interview or just an article about robert de niro saying how the trajectory his career is taking now is to ensure the future for his grandchildren. 
Okay. Like, well. And I, I mean, I'm, I would have assumed this guy was like made of it, you know? <laughs> Surely. What's, what's, the, what's the line? What's the line yeah. that you cross to go from A-listed to like, you know, Bruce Willis was the last big one to, to really cross that line hardcore. Like it went from, you know, box office draw card to I don't even want to watch this movie on DTV. <laughs> yes. Like his, his standards just went to absolute shit. Absolutely. And, and now, like, John Malkovich has always straddled that line. And He's yet, like, you could call that yeah. a fall from grace, but he kind of then aligns with the people we idolise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, true, true. <laughs> he, gets that, he gets to that level, and then you're like, when are you going to do a movie with Jean-Claude Van Damme? Yeah, I, I don't even think Jean-Claude Van Damme's going to dip that low at this point in time. The standard of films he's producing, granted they're not theatrical, they still feel a damn sight better than any of these films that are being churned out and sent straight to home entertainment. Yeah, it's, a, it's a sad <laughs> state of affairs, really. Like, I mean, it was only, what, like maybe six, seven years ago we had De Niro, you know, in The Intern, which was a Twilight movie for him, and it was a terrific film, you know, yeah. and Dirty Grandpa, I mean, we saw the, you know, the trajectory, the slide from doing serious dramatic roles to suddenly doing all these comedies, but it was good, you know, because at least they were entertaining. Now he's doing these DTV actioners. And, well, I, uh, I think Kill the, was it Kill the, not Kill the Irishman, The Irishman. The Irishman. Was the yeah. kind of, that, where they had to CG him into the, <laughs> the, the stomping scene. Because uh, he just awful. was too old to, the arthritis was too bad to, to pull it off that you're like, okay. Maybe, <laughs> yeah. He, but you, you'd think he would, like, even Al Pacino, who has turned into, like, he, in even even from, like, what was that, Danny, what was the, the one where he plays the aging rock star, Danny something or another, who's reconnected yep. with his son, whatever the hell that movie is. Like, he looks like a homeless person, but like a, you know, a wealthy homeless person. Yeah, he did the yeah. Phil Spector movie. He did the bloody um, well, that, that, Kevorkian movie. Yeah, <laughs> and that, they were all, like, now he's, HBO, you know, made for cable movies, but they had production value and at least he was going to potentially get nominated for an Emmy. But now now he's doing films <laughs> with De Niro that are far, fry, like a far cry from Heat. They're, you yeah, know, yeah, this yeah. all-star he, cast. Awful he needs to do TV. Like even Pacino, Pacino is like a Nazi hunter now yeah. on uh, Amazon Prime, I think it is. Yep. Yeah, hunters, De- yeah. Yeah, 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 hunters. That's it. That's what De Niro should be doing. That's hey, what Malcolm should be doing. We shit on this, but we haven't seen this movie. It could be gold. It's true. Look, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll wait for your review on that one, Glenn. <laughs> I, mean, look, I mean, to tell you the truth, the thing that's most surprising is that Madman is, is doing it on Blu-ray. I, it's shocking, isn't it? Well, Madman started to do a few more titles on Blu-ray of late. Of course, the films that are, you know, their art house foreign films are rarely getting Blu-rays. But these these DTV actioners must sell and must do business for, you know, Defiant and Umbrella, uh, not Umbrella, sorry, Madman, because they're putting them out on Blu-ray. So I guess it, it must be a niche, you know, and they can sell anywhere between maybe three to 500 copies of them on Blu-ray. Which is the remarkable thing, because usually the English language films you can get on Blu-ray from the US or from the UK if you really have to. It's those art house foreign language ones that half the time, if without that Madman release, you're not even going to get one with English subtitles. You can yeah, only yeah. buy it in its home territory, which now you can't, thanks to Amazon's cracking down so on 
getting call stuff me, from Amazon France and Amazon Germany. Call me really naive here, and you guys are the best people to talk about. Glenn, so, you're really naive. <laughs> <laughs> so the cost of Blu-rays versus DVDs to manufacture, is it just the materials? Is it the actual um, process, you know, digitally? What's the Three cost? times the amount. Yeah, but I mean, Thanks. where is the cost in the process? Is it the materials? Is it the, the computer side of things? It's the manufacturing and the authoring. So if, say, someone like Madman had excess of discs, Blu-ray, is that cheaper for them to just put them out on Blu-ray that way? Or does the cost lie in the whole mastering and things like that? Oh, it's it's an entire process. There's no such thing as having extra discs that you just okay. have lying around. Like, you make them to order. But um, from the glass mastering all the way down to, to the you know motion menu in the background blu-ray is three times the the cost of a of a dvd there we go Crazy. informative <laughs> everything like yeah each disc this uh, the slicks are probably the only thing that remains the same price yep right the actual covers the amaray cases are probably more expensive as well the blu-ray cases amaray cases they i mean they used to be back when i paid attention to such things were about 40 cents a unit whereas the dvd cases depending on how cheap you wanted to go you know 10 15 cents maybe yeah because you can get real cheap with those dvd cases some of them have the most putrid smell to them i'm about to say like, you can tell the what were they made yeah <laughs> like, what are they made of and do you want to know the most putrid smelling dvd i have of all things is necromaniac <laughs> True. It's got that That's real great. rancid smell to it. Even, I reckon it might have been deliberate. Even <laughs> they've beaten like... Umbrella to the Punch with that stanko vision that they're doing with Teenage Mutant Turtles. <laughs> yeah, it smells like tires. But even even at our worst, when I was working for Bounty and we were doing those classics on those on recycled cases, which were the ones that smelled, they're still. <laughs> I take those over the environmentally friendly ones that oh have yeah cutouts in them. So they every time you buy one, it comes smashed. It just has absolutely no weight to it. The eco, the eco, eco case. Yeah. It's always dislodged off the spindle, and yep. the slick is, you know, pretty much pressed through the holes of the eco case. And it's just, yeah, I, I tend to replace them immediately because even if you put them in your collection and you've got them sort of, you know, bookshelved by, you know, bookend by other DVDs in proper cases, you tend to find that they just get. Eh. I mean, look, I'm, I'd be willing to go back to a snapper case in in replacement of those i don't know man that's a that's a that's a bold call i don't i don't think we ever need to go back there i used to, i love the, i love a good snapper case i just wish you could buy the replacement bits for when the oh totally i like them as a break i love keeping one like i think i've got a few in the collection and it's a real good throwback because it really takes you back to like you know yeah. the late 90s the disney the were doing them back DVD. in the day oh yeah and warner yeah. I've, got yeah. I've got a row of them but i just that's how they're grouped they're, they're it's you know it's like in high fidelity when he he arranges his his record collection based on the mood he was feeling when he was autobiographical <laughs> mine is based like i've just got like a snapper case section and i have to remember oh that's right palmetto had a snapper case so that's in the in the in the <laughs> cupboard on the back row i love that i love that look if if you can have a word with umbrella and if they do ever release to dvd or even blu-ray because i've never seen a blu-ray snapper but if they ever release the Irish comedy classic for Snapper, it has to come in a Snapper case. <laughs> Same with that documentary. <laughs> yeah, yeah, be, yeah, absolutely. The Did best do, conceptual um, case. Because isn't the Snapper, the Snapper is part of that trilogy with it the It is the van and, and the, the other one. The commitments. The other one, the commitments. They should do all three, but can you do a, can you do a three-disc Snapper oh, case? Triple Snapper. 
I've never even seen a, a dual disc snapper because <laughs> yeah. back in the days of snapper, they would just put side A and side it's B. Like B. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you, it was very hard not to leave fingerprints on any side of the disc getting it <laughs> just, out of the snapper. Just when I thought we couldn't get any nerdier. This is super nerdy. Okay, so I'll move ahead. There is one other title I want to mention that's coming out from Mad Men, and this is no doubt going to delight Ben. Triangle of Sadness is coming out, and they're actually doing a Blu-ray for this as well. So DVD Fantastic. and Blu-ray, obviously it was nominated for an Oscar for Best Picture. It won the Palme d'Or, and it's 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 definitely one of the best films of 2022, and so i glad it's getting Let's hope we don't have cases you can smell for that one, Ben. <laughs> yeah. it smells like fish. <laughs> vomit and feces <laughs> i love it <laughs> okay so the i've got some news and this All one right. i want to kind of you know i'll give ben an opportunity to talk about it as well because he was the the integral part in actually making this happen but monster fest in collaboration with umbrella entertainment are going to launch a brand new line called monster fest presents and it's a blu-ray line with limited edition slip covers and maybe some other cool you know, this one's got an A3 reversible poster and the title's Mad Heidi. So this is an inaugural release. Uh, and Ben, take it away. What special features does this collector's edition of Mad Heidi got on it? It's pretty, uh, I like to think it's pretty jam-packed. It's got two commentaries, one with the the director and the co-director, which I, I don't really understand what the distinction is, why one is a director and the other is a co-director and why they're not both co-directors, but we'll let that, uh, we'll let that go for another time. Uh, uh, it's, and it also has a commentary with uh, the two directors and the main cast, uh, Alice Eve and Casper Van Dien, which is great because I don't think I've, I've never actually heard Casper in a commentary before. So um, I was very excited to hear that. There's a 20 minute making of documentary, which is which is really well put together. There is the crowd because this, this in, the entire film was actually paid for by crowdfunding uh, and it had like a decent budget, like a multi-million dollar budget um and so there's the teaser there's the funding trailer then there's teasers and the actual trailer and there is a stunt reel which is uh pretty full on if you've seen the movie if you saw it at monster fest last year you'll know it's pretty stunt heavy it's a pretty it's a pretty um big bold film considering it's the first film of its kind made in switzerland it's exploitation uh, is the it's term that they're pointing for yeah but it is oh, entirely okay. in English too. That's so. Swissploitation. Yeah. Is it English with Swiss with uh, Swedish, like you know, accents? <laughs> uh, only, only one character, the evil kind of commandant. I think he, he's probably the only Swiss uh, Swiss actor in the film. Alice Eve, the lead, is um, English, as is David Schofield, who plays the grandfather and. Uh, the most of the other kind of female characters are all English actresses, and then and um, Casper Van Dien is American, but yeah, uh, yeah, it's yeah, it's an international cast. Well, this is so, cool. So, it's so, the first time we've had news that actually involves Ben. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I will only learn of the stunt reel this afternoon when Ben enlightened me that that was an additional feature on it as well. It's a it's a pretty stacked release, and the beauty of this release is it will go out trade-wide which means you can go to other retailers and get it however you can only get the standard blu-ray which will have all the special feature content but it won't have the slip cover and the a3 reversible poster and it'll also get a dvd release which i believe the dvd might only have the theatrical trailer on it ben is that correct 
It's yeah. Look, I don't even know about that word theatrical. It's got the trailer. <laughs> <laughs> I like to call it theatrical trailer. <laughs> but yeah, this one's going to be exclusive to the Umbrella Web Store, so it's up for pre-order now. It's coming out May twenty-fourth, and it's the the first of hopefully uh, a successive run of titles. We're already working on the second film, but it's too early to to announce that one. But Benji, think we might have maybe three or four titles before Year's End out on this new Monster Fest Presents line. I think the plan is is at least three, mm-hmm. uh, but who knows? Depending on what happens, uh, you know, we've we've got a couple of film markets coming up uh, before the end of the year, and as the way these things go, you can't hold on to films till Monster Fest, where we, which is what we would have done in the past. Uh, now you kind of got to get them out uh, quick. So um, yeah, who knows? Stay tuned. Mm. Interesting <laughs> times. Maybe well, there more. you go. That That's PE class for this week, and I managed to get Ben to do half the segment. <laughs> <laughs> I might get him to do the rest of the show. <laughs> yes! <laughs> All right, thanks, mate. We're going to see you next week. Absolutely. All right, mate. So um, I don't know if you've seen on Facebook going around, there's this no. sort of there's this list of people, or there's this thing where people do a list of um movies they love hate you know remember you know in one way or another and i never go in for these things like i i, I feel like it's a flex of the ego and i, I don't really do Look, that i love a good ego flex <laughs> uh, but i just don't don't get on but the I, old facebook i feel like these type of things are made for what we do so like <laughs> it's a let's do it let's it's a good opportunity for us to go through one of these lists and uh just Give it a red hot crack, I reckon. I'll be fascinated to know how you answer these, by the way. I'll read them out and we can both answer one after the other. Are we going to explain them? We can, yeah. yeah. I mean, if it goes off in conversation, even better. But um, the first one, I believe you said, was the hardest for you. Yeah. <laughs> Which was a movie I hate. Yeah. Yeah. Which is like, I, I a part of it is that my memory is becoming <laughs> more and more uh, useless, yeah. more and more appalling. So I was, and I was looking around. Usually, what I do when anyone asks me any questions about movies, I cheat and I look at my collection, and, and that kind of jogs my memory. I'm like, oh yes, Possession, that's a great film, <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. When I was looking at movies I hate, of course, I don't really own movies that I hate. <laughs> it's true, it's true. Who would? Like, or, or, or at least if I do, I haven't watched them yet, so I don't know that I hate it. Yep. So this one was really hard. And I was like, and I don't really, you know, do I really hate a movie like? Like, yes, I've complained a lot about Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> you do. Uh, I still love it, though. The movie's actually pretty good. It's just it's just not a good idea to read the book and then yeah, watch the movie. You have a bone to pick with an element with of it. Yeah. You know, Kingdom of Heaven, the theatrical <laughs> cut versus the director's cut. <laughs> yeah, man. You know, do I, do I hate it? No. It's just not as good as the as the director's cut. Modesty, Modesty Blaze is a bit of a bugbear of mine, that the, the 60s movie, the, 60s the Terrence, movie, yeah. whatever his name is. Thing with Monica Vitti and, and uh, Terrence Stamp because mm. if you've re- read the comic strip or any of the books or know anything about the character of Modesty Blaze, yeah. that movie totally shits on all of it. Uh, well, what did you think of the Scott Spiegel one? The, my name is Modesty. Yeah, I, that is great. Yeah, <laughs> that's really good. And it's the only problem with it is is that it's a, the origin story of Modesty yeah, Blaze, or it doesn't dive kind of, and it doesn't yeah. get into the cool. Stuff for Modesty Blaze. I think that wasn't yeah. the intention, though, but it just oh. didn't perform. Even yeah. with Tarantino's name branded on that DVD cover. Yeah, it's a real shame. So it's a real shame because that Modesty Blaze is a great character and could mm. be a great, so could you, be a great franchise. What did you land on? Uh, well, no, that's I 
You don't have an I, answer. I put those things, those movies okay. that I mentioned are the that ones was I was like... Okay. I just thought you were building yourself up to it. No, 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 okay. no, no. That's what I... Well, this was an easy one for me. I've gone Annie. I hate Annie. The, the Woody Allen. No, that's Annie Hall. Uh, no, Annie. Oh, you know, the, like, you know, the little red-headed orphan. The remake or the original? All of them. I don't like any of them. Yeah, right. Yeah, I don't like the music. I don't like the tone. I don't like the attitude. I don't. Like, there's so much about that movie I don't like. That's shocking. You don't like It's a Hard Knock Life? Oh, I hate it. Whenever that comes on, it drives me insane. Same with Sound of Music, to be honest with you. Like, these are movies that get under my skin yeah. so much. Oliver's another one. It's They're very similarly themed. I'm literally... I think I've mentioned it on the show before. I am going to the UK yeah. later in the year. Yeah. I'm going to go to, to, I think it's Bath or Bristol, one of those places yeah. where they shot one of the um, the Who Will Buy My Lovely Roses song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm going there because of Oliver. Are you going to take some lovely roses with you? I'm going to sing the song. I've told, <laughs> yeah. I've told, I've, I'm going there with my sister and I've told her we're going to sing the song. Sounds like a great moment for TikTok. Yeah. Uh, if you send it, send it my way, we can do that. But no, I, I look at. I don't know. It must be something about the music because I don't hate Oliver Twist as a story. Like the Roman Polanski one was great. So I, I like the story. I just don't like the music. But Annie's what I ended up going. It's got with. Oliver Reed in it. Yeah, I know. And um, then the next one was uh, a movie that I think is overrated. What did you go for? Well, I also hate this one, but I think Shakespeare in Love is completely overrated. That's the one that got Gwyneth the Oscar, the Oscar? which I don't think she deserved. And to be honest, I watched it at the time. Haven't watched it since. Don't really remember that much about it. Didn't mind it, but never felt the need to watch it again. So which I completely that understand. kind of yeah, that kind of makes it overrated. Well, overrated it? as an Oscar winning film. Yeah, yeah. But then the more you look at the Oscar winning films, yeah, I know. Like, mm. I think it was I was saying it to you. I, I did. I compiled a list of all of the Oscar winning films from the start to now. And I reckon it's around about English Patient is where it starts to drop off in quality right. every year. But um, <laughs> I mean, there's good movies since then. But you know, I feel like this, the consistency is is all over the place. Yeah, yeah right. What did you go for? Uh, this is I think this one's going to be controversial. Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah, well, that's no surprise to me. Yeah, <laughs> I did not rate that film at all. I know. Oh, that fr- it frustrates me. But we can we can move on from that. We've had that conversation. Yeah. <laughs> so a movie that I think is underrated. Naturally, I could have gone with um, Jesus. Anything, anything <laughs> you like, everything you like. Oh well, I mean, everybody knows how I feel about Caddyshack too, right? Yeah. So instead I went with another one that's going to just get under people's skin. But I think The Godfather 3 is underrated. Is underrated. I do. I think it is a good movie. You know, people shit on it all the time only because it is part three of a trilogy where number one and two are so phenomenal. Yeah. But for the gap in time between two and three, for him to make a movie that still continues the story, is a good movie on its own. I reckon it's pretty good. Yeah, it's fine. I had no problem. Great set pieces in that one. What, uh, what about you? What's underrated in your mind? For me, it was Under the Silver Lake. Yeah, that the, doesn't um, surprise me. The David Robert Mitchell film. I really, I went to see it. I think with there were three of us went to see it in the cinema at, at Cinema Nova. Yeah, and funnily enough, it's Umbrella releasing. I'm still dirty with them for not releasing it on Blu-ray <laughs> locally. Um, and I keep slipping it into conversation with them. Like, uh, I've gone through the catalogue. What do you reckon uh, Under Under Silver Lake? Um, but I just I came out of that movie, I was just like, fuck, that was excellent. It was so good. I wish I had. And then <laughs> hearing everyone else's thoughts on it, I'm like, I just I can't believe it. I saw that as a screener, so I was by myself in the lounge room. I don't think I had the right, you know, mood for it at the time. So I probably had all the wrong circumstances for that one. I should go back to it. 
I think like I've I was uh, uh, flicking around on my TV and it, it, I can't remember what streaming service it was, it yeah. was on, but it kind of came up and I had I had accidentally pressed play while I was trying to get to something else, and it kind of played like the first uh, you know couple of minutes of Andrew Garfield walking down the street, and I was I was like, <laughs> fuck, I need to watch this again because yeah. it's just even that was just so. Awesome. So cinematic, so good. Well, I hope people are taking notes of these. These are some movies that are good recommendations at the same time. Mm. Uh, next one is a pretty general one. Movies I love. Now, I mean, pff, come on. It was yeah. How do, you, how do you pick just one? Yeah, so I ended up going with Jaws because Jaws is just a staple. I went, Spielberg's my hero. That's his best film. That'll do. That's how I went with it. <laughs> See, I just, I went, I... <laughs> Mine's so weird in comparison to that. Yeah. When I go, uh, cocktail? <laughs> oh, I mean, I love cocktail. Like, I fucking love cocktail. It's a great movie. I could have said Roadhouse. I yeah. could have said, like, one of a thousand films. That's what this show is, though. It's movies we love, mostly, yeah. isn't it? Like, we talk about movies we love every week. That's, I always think that when people, when you ask someone what's your favourite film and they can tell you straight away, yeah. I always think you haven't watched enough movies. Yeah, that's right. I it's too hard. You. You can't, like, even your top ten, yeah. I, I can't do it. I couldn't I, do a good top 100. I kind of, I've always had a top ten or a top five, but it does alternate every few years. Like, you know. Yeah. It definitely does. Yeah. I look back at, I, I used to have a live journal, if you remember that, back in the early wow. 2000s. And I would routinely do those lists then. Yeah, yeah. Like top 10 films. And they always had three options per every number. <laughs> and I look back and I'm like, wow, at that time I really loved, you know, well, that's that the film. the other thing is that um, sometimes, you know, what I had is my number one or number two were there for years. I'd always go to it. That's my number one. Yeah. And then I thought, but it's not like... I loved it then and I was just holding on to that position for some reason. Like, okay, Almost like you feel bad for dropping it off yeah, that position. because for a long time it was Mary Poppins for me. Number yeah. one followed by Reanimator. What a double banger that is, right? <laughs> <laughs> that was my go-to. You hear that, you hear that Zach? Double at the Astor? Yeah. Mary Poppins and Reanimator? <laughs> and it was simply because Mary Poppins was that staple as a child that really informed my love of cinema. So, so I could have said, yeah, Mary Poppins and Bedknobs and Broomsticks. I yeah, could just watch that those. That is a good double that's a good double feature. You're not as good as my double feature. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? Yeah, like I've just find, I find it's like, you know when you find a song that you like and you listen to it over and over again and then at some point, six months later, you've listened to it too much and yep. then you can't stand the song anymore? I do. <laughs> and you're like, I, just, I don't want to watch that again. Like, yes, it was my favourite movie for a long time. But I've seen it too many times. It's like now me with Star Wars. Yeah, totally. With any of those original, the original trilogy, really, yeah. I find it really difficult to watch them because I'm just like, oh, I'm I just, had this, I'm just um, bored with I had it. this conversation with Chloe last week about the original trilogy of Star Wars and all, all those three movies, the one I go back to now if I had to, by choice, would be Return of the Jedi. Like yeah. It's the one I hold closest to my heart. And Funnily enough, I was going to say, yeah, it's the one that was my favourite as a kid. Yeah. And then as you kind of grow older, Empire kind of takes over yeah. because it's actually... It's a like, better film. It's a better yeah. film and it has a lot more kind of story yeah. in it. Yeah. But you know, then again, <laughs> it kind of goes back to, oh, I just want to watch the Ewoks. Yep. You know? And when I was a kid, as I, I mentioned this on, on, on the Up Late podcast, when I was a kid, Return of the Jedi to me was the darkest of the trilogy mm. because it had a dark poster... That um, open, all the opening stuff with Jabba's palace is terrifying well, also, as a kid. as a kid, when I didn't comprehend the Star Wars universe, I thought that the Jedi were like Darth Vader's people. Yeah. Right? So I mistook it. So I thought it was dark and the Ewoks were primal and they had spears and shit. 
And I wasn't looking at them as cute, cuddly little things. I looked at them as little warriors, you know? Yeah. So now when I think of Star Wars, that's where my mind goes. But um, anyway. next The next question was movies that I can watch over and over. Um, I This was a hard one, but Once is the one I went with, the John Carney oh, movie. Oh, right. Because I can put that on at any given time and watch it and all watch the it, way which through. Which apparently is a tri- part of a trilogy. Yeah, right? so part two was Begin Again with Mark Ruffalo. And then the third one was Sing Street. Yeah. And Sing Street, I, like I can all, watch I like over all those and over again yeah. as well. So I really undenied about Once and Sing Street, but Once is definitely the one I'll put on at any time. So there, there you go. There you go. So I had I had a couple in there, like because I you know, routinely can. The Dirty Dozen, <laughs> Get Carter, The Big Sleep, The Great Escape. I could just watch those movies. Damn straight. Like one time, actually, I should have put In the Heat of the Night. Oh. Because one time as I was coming back, I was coming back from overseas and it was a 10-hour flight. I just watched in the heat. I was like, okay, it's a 10-hour flight. It means I need to watch In the Heat of the Night 11 times or whatever it was. <laughs> and I just did it. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, oh, this is you know, this is the I, third time. I don't think I could ever get sick of In the Heat of the Night. I can put that on at any given time. Yeah. I think it's far grittier and edgier than anything they've made now. Like it's it's a really, really amazing They call film. me <laughs> Mr. Tibbs. And then they had the audacity to call the sequel. They yeah, call, me, they Mr. call Mr. me Mr. Tibbs. <laughs> Oh shit! Anyway, uh, the next one was I answered this already. Movies that made me f- a movie that made me fall in love with movies, and that would be Mary Poppins. Mary Poppins. Yep, that's a, that's a good answer. I look, I kind of I agonized over this, and I've just I'm looking at my list, and I, I wrote it out down and printed it out, and the, the typos, <laughs> the spelling mistakes on this are are truly magnificent. Uh, but for me, it was I put Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade because mm. it's the first movie I can remember seeing at the cinema. Like my, and I'm sure. Like I definitely went to see like my parents yep. would have taken me to see Disney stuff yep. prior, but I have absolutely no memory of it. Yeah. Whereas Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, I remember going to Chatston Hoyt's Eight, which was Hoyt's Eight at the yep. time, and the Eight was a big deal. Yep. And uh, you know, seeing I like, seen the Blood Diner poster on the wall yep. while we were waiting in line with thousands of, of you know what it felt like thousands of other people lining yep. up to go and see this film, and then just being. <laughs> totally blown away by it. I saw that at the cinemas. I've got like a photographic memory of my childhood cinema experiences from E.T. being my first to seeing Ghostbusters, Never Ending Story. I remember all of them, where I was, where I sat, what cinema it was. I have a memory of it all. Oh, see, I saw, I saw all of those movies that you mentioned on video. Yeah. Like, well, my parents were avid moviegoers at the cinema and they took me and I just, I just all these movies from the early to mid-80s, I have a recall of them. Like, E.T., yeah. I shouldn't be old enough to remember that experience, but like, I do. Thinking about it now, like, it was one of the re- realisations I had with Star Wars, but it's also with Never Ending Story and E.T. I've never seen them widescreen. I've only seen them 4.3. Yeah. There's something magical about that, though. Yeah. I'm nostalgic for the, the 4.3 ratio. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, um, I mean... Well, you, you remember the poster of Blood Diner. I remember the poster for Exorcist 3 when I was lined up to see Ghost. Yeah, right. Because my mum and I went three times to see Ghost at the cinemas at Northland. And it was the Exorcist 3 poster that I wanted to go back for just to look at. Yeah, right. So weird. Uh, good memory though. Yeah. Speaking of, movie that changed my life. Well, I've told this story a hundred times on the show, so I'll just say the movie and let people discover the story for themselves. But Ghoulies. Yeah, Ghoulies right. is that one that just that really one? triggered me into the power of horror and the adrenaline that goes through you. I was too young to see it at the time and I was terrified by it because of the tagline on the poster. Yeah, right. And thought they were actually going to get me. And there's a story that goes with that. It's connected to Nightmare on Elm Street 2, you know, but yeah, that movie, Ghoulies, really shook me and made me want to watch horror films for the rest of my life. 
Yeah, and your blue waffle is a testament to that. <laughs> your backdoor blue waffle. That's why you, because you're scared to go take a shit, scared to use the toilet. Oh, dude, that's a reference I didn't expect on yeah. the show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's pulling out his phone. I hope he's not actually going to look up blue waffle. No. No, okay. He's going to show you through the show. <laughs> um, uh, now, for me, I, I put Rushmore down. Yep. Which I, I don't know if it like it changed my life, but I, from memory, it's the first movie that I saw that about a quarter of the way in, I started feeling depressed because I knew I could never watch this movie for the first time again. Yeah, and I like you know, and I would have been seventeen, eighteen, kind of thing when that came out. Yeah, nineteen. I remember when it came out on home video and it was new release. And people were coming into the video store and they go, oh, what can you recommend? And I'd, be, I'd keep pointing out Rushmore. And then <laughs> at least 50% of them, after that, they'd hold up two, two movies and go, which one do you like? And they'd go, I like this one. And they'd take the other one. Because <laughs> they did hated it, Rushmore. Did it turn you on to Wes Anderson at the time? Or? Yeah. I had, not, I had not seen Bottle Rocket yep. before. I think I don't even know if Bottle Rocket had come but out. But do you hold him in high regard now or have you kind of gone off him over the years? No, I th- look. I, I, f- I find very with all with a lot of those directors that I, I really like. I've they've got a couple of great films in them, yeah, yeah. and then they tend to wander off. Me with Tim Burton, like you know, idolized him when I was a teenager. Yeah, for the same reason everyone else did, but then grew out of it pretty quick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, what's the next one? Movie that surprised me. This was easy. It happened late last year, I think. Seriously, Red. Oh, Which yeah, we talked I, about. Yeah. I, I went into that one not holding up much hope for it at all. Went into it for work purposes. And I, I think you were the first person I texted going, dude, this is fucking great. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. And I was very dubious <laughs> of that I recommendation. It. I was like, here we go. So anyway, look it up. It's a new Australian film. Very much in the vein of Muriel's Wedding. I think it's better than Muriel's Wedding. It's, you know, just, yeah, it's a great little quirky movie. So that's fine. What surprised you, mate? Uh, blowout. Yeah, right. The Brian De Palma film. Yeah. I put that movie off for years thinking it was just like a, a really retarded American cash-in <laughs> of, of uh, blow-up. <laughs> and I was like, it's a sound. He hears someone being like, I've seen the conversation. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. This sounds <laughs> stupid. And then I watched it and holy shit, is it a good film. It's a very good film. It's so, one of Travolta's best. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So the next one was a guilty pleasure. I can't answer that. I don't think we believe in guilty pleasures on this show. I don't know what you came up with. Yeah, I don't. I uh, I look. I I I think I, I crossed this one out a couple of times. I ended up with view from the top. Yeah, it is. Well, I, I actually changed. It's actually the, a pretty good one. Though, like I actually to, changed the question pleasure. to not guilty pleasure because <laughs> I am not guilty about loving that movie. It's you know that and what's the um the other Gwyneth? A lot of these, funnily enough, it seemed to star Gwyneth Paltrow. What's the karaoke movie that she was in? Oh, for good sake, duets. Duets. Yeah, love that as with well. With Huey Lewis. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny that, I mean, hello, Caddyshack 2 here. Like, you know, I can't be guilty over anything. Yeah. You know, I, I hold Weekend at Bernie's 2 in the same regard. You know? It's you know, up there with Caddyshack. <laughs> maybe, yeah. maybe they're the posters I need from my media room is a Caddyshack 2 and a... Weekend ooh, at Bernie's 2. Yeah. Well, maybe. you did have the wall of sequels. I did. I could, ooh, I could replicate it with replicate. big posters. Well, you've got enough wall space that you can double, <laughs> triple what you've got here <laughs> yeah. on the ooh, larger scale. Maybe a Smokey and the Bandit 3 poster. There's a couple of doozies there. Anyway, so the next one was a movie I should have seen by now but haven't. And I found that one tricky. Um, And I I went with recent ones that everyone's talking about. I went with Tenet, you know, the Christopher Nolan movie. 
Oh yeah, because yeah, um, seen that either. every time I talk about Christopher Nolan, everyone seems to reference all these movies, and that's the one I haven't seen. Haven't so, seen. I mean, yeah. I'm not that interested in it either. I'll get to it one day. Yeah. If you if you were to ask me of directors who are overrated, I think Christopher Nolan's probably one of them. Yeah, right. You know, he's yeah. made some great films. Don't get me wrong, but I think people hold him in a regard that's higher than he probably should be held in. Yeah. Anyway, what did you have for a movie you haven't seen but should have? This is the gist I of your was, podcast that you want to do. Yeah. I mean, mine, yeah, this one, um, it's a weird one. I haven't, I've never seen Cujo. Oh, right. I've never, I don't, like, I love dogs. Yeah. I don't generally like watching movies where dogs get hurt or dogs yeah, yeah, are the yeah. bad guys. And I just, I've never had any interest in watching. I've read, like I've seen, you know, Lee Gammon talk about it when he, talking about, when he wrote his book. Yeah. And... You know, we had D. Wallace come out for Monster Fest and all this stuff, but it's I a just... very interesting one because I would actually, much to people's you know, disliking, I, I would hold that as a overrated movie. Yeah, right. Personally, I, I, it feels like a television movie to me. I don't know if it was made with that intention and ended up theatrical, but it just—it's a bit of a nothing movie to me. Uh, but it, it, I will check it out. It would day. serve I'll as a good, like, not remake, but new adaptation would be great yeah. for that one if you. I don't know. It's going to piss a lot of people off, but that's, that's <laughs> what it is. All right. So next one was a movie trilogy masterpiece. There's a lot here, but I went with Back to the Future with that one. Yeah, right. Yeah. I actually thought like it was pretty hard. I didn't want to go... I, on one hand, I was like, I'm like, I don't want to go with the obvious ones. I don't want to say Star Wars. Yeah. I don't want to say Back to the Future. Yeah. But, okay, then. <laughs> but, <laughs> but And it's, look, it, you know, legit Back to the Future is... I think I think three is probably a bit underrated, but I do find that a lot of the tr- the bigger trilogies, things, you know, like Evil Dead is a is a great one. Or, yes. But my yeah. problem with Evil Dead is Evil Dead Two is basically a remake of Evil Dead. It's yeah. not really a trilogy. Yeah. The story does not hold. It does not yeah. carry through. Yeah. Alien Alien Three kind of sucks. It's fine, but it's you know it's not as good yeah, well, as Alien or I mean, Aliens. We're talking trilogy masterpiece, so they've all got to have. They've all got to be good. Yeah. So for me. And these, this goes back to movies I can watch over and over again. Yeah, I put I selected Die Hard. That's a great I one. Fucking, I love all three of them. I really yep. Die Hard with a Vengeance. I think is fantastic. I, yeah. I really like Die Hard Two. A lot of people don't like. I it almost for some put reason. that as my underrated um, yeah. because I think Die Hard Two cops a lot of shit, and I think it's actually gotten better over the years. I think the appreciation on that is is yeah. great. I think I think Long Kiss Goodnight owes a lot to Die Hard Two. Does it? Or, yeah. <laughs> I I really like it. Yeah, it's, so that's a, the first one is the original one's a classic. Yeah, it is, and number three was a surprise because it it it, took, it went away from the the repetitiveness, the, the of Christmas two. thing, and the and yeah. the, the meeting up with the wife yeah, stuff. It gave like, I don't a think new story. Bonnie Bedelia is not even in it. Yeah, and it put him in his hometown. Yeah, like you forget watching number one and two that he's in New York. He's, he's a, a New York, New York cop. Yeah, and, yeah. That's, and then to connect the villain with the original villain, it's very clever, very yeah. clever. I mean, yeah, and I, I really like four as well. Yeah, four's underrated, uh, underrated. We won't, uh, we won't and then after that, yeah, 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 after that, it kind of. I number five is one I always like to go back to, trying to like it. It's one of the yeah. movies I, I talk about movies I try to like all the time, and they never really yeah. work. That's one of them. So the next one was just a movie masterpiece. I mean. That's a movie masterpiece. Yeah, is that not on your list? No, I missed that okay, one. Okay, but I mean that's all right. I can. Well, a movie masterpiece. I found this one to be it's ambiguous. Like there's so many that I would consider a masterpiece. But I went with Texas Chainsaw Massacre original. You do love that film. Yeah, original. I think is perfect in nearly every way. Well, in every way. So I'm gonna say, and it is up on uh, it is up on our letterboxed <laughs> as one of my all time favorite films. Nudist Colony of the Dead. 
that movie, the, it's a it's a musical, it's a horror comedy musical <laughs> film set in a, a nudist camp <laughs> slash kid. It, it's a masterpiece. It, it ticks all the boxes. The opening, <laughs> the opening song is simply magnificent, and all of them—they're so catchy. They're all earworms. Every song in it. Well, speaking of, the next one would be uh, movie soundtrack. Best movie soundtrack. You go yeah. first. This, I, there was no way to to limit this to one, and I so I only I jotted down just the ones I could think of off the top of my head. So, Streets of Fire, The Warriors, yeah. Rushmore, Royal Tenenbaums, High Fidelity. Cocktail, they're all excellent. Oh, my goodness. All excellent soundtracks. <sighs> you know, Electric Dreams could have been on I there. I feel like uh, cocktails are recurring uh, motive on this show and I might have to watch that this Co- weekend. Coglin's Law, Young Flanagan. <laughs> <laughs> well, I went with the Natural Born Killer soundtrack. That's just one that I can put on at any given time and it really... I, actually have, I haven't seen... Like California and Natural Born Killers are movies that I watched at the time, yep. like them, and have never seen See, them again. We've had, like, on the previous incarnation of this show, back when it was the Fake Champ podcast, Jarrett and I got into quite a conversation about Natural Born Killers because he hates it. Absolutely yeah, right. hates it. And I think, I, just, it, I think that's a masterpiece. Like, it is a near-perfect film for me. And um, But, yeah, the soundtrack, regardless of, you know, what you think of the movie, the soundtrack, which was produced by Trent Reznor for Nine Inch Nails, has some amazing songs from... Patty Smith, Leonard Cohen, two Nine Inch Nails, and some really hard edge kind of stuff. It's just a really, really good soundtrack. So went with that one. I think stuff like um, the '90s soundtracks, like Matrix, was pretty good as well. Whether you like or hate the film, I think the uh, Twilight soundtracks are pretty good. So some crap movies can have good yeah. soundtracks. I just, I don't like. It's funnily enough, it's that era of music where I kind of you tuned out. I was never, I was never into it. Yeah, like I, I the whole grunge thing kind of. Passed me by like when grunge was big. I was into like Dire Straits and stuff. Yeah, like, I was just yeah, 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 you know, listening to eighties music. Yeah, I was big so, on like your Nick Caves and things like that back then. But, yeah, um, they all passed me. Alrighty, by. well the next one was um, best or favorite, I guess, male movie actor. I found this one. This one's these ones were really weird and tough. I, I at the moment I think he's having a renaissance. I'm yeah. really enjoying the work of Hugh Grant. Oh, did you like his work at the Oscars red carpet? Hilarious! Yeah, I thought, <laughs> he's copping a lot of shit for it, but I thought it was great. Yeah, like who the hell are you? I can't, yeah, okay, she's doing a job, but come on, she did a good job as well. Like she yeah. actually held it together very well. And if you haven't got the context here, but he's a he's a bit of an asshole. Yeah, I was, don't mind that. He was on the red carpet at the Oscars, asked some questions which he thought were pretty stupid questions, and answered yeah. them appropriately. You know, in his mind, and he wasn't there for an award. He was there as a an observer. Yeah. And when he <laughs> she asked what he's wearing, he said, "My suit." <laughs> yeah, it just. He's no time for fools. That's right. I enjoyed it, and um, yeah. But boy, has he copped it. Yeah, he doesn't. <laughs> he can't he, do anything these days. He doesn't give a shit though. No, that's, that's you right. can't cancel Hugh Grant because he doesn't care. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. As he's, long as he's guy playing the character. As long as guy Ritchie lets him be in movies, who gives a fuck? I know. And hey, let's yeah. hope let's hope he's in. Paddington I mean, funnily free. enough, speaking of guy Ritchie, my other choice was going to be like Jason Statham, who. Even even his Uber Bowl film didn't disappoint me. I, I like all his movies. <laughs> yeah, totally. I, quite, I, I find him incredibly what was, watchable. What was that one? That was the the scene. Return the, of the King. The with Return of the King. Burt Reynolds. Right. Yeah. <laughs> there's three of those. There's there's three. I think yeah. I can't remember if he's in the first. He's, he's only in, the in the one, two, one. or three. Yeah, yeah, with with um, what's her name? Who retired? Uh, Lily or the Lily, the girl from um. Oh, Lily Sobieski. Yes. I knew you'd know her name. Yeah, yeah, she was in that too. Boy, yeah, that guy knows how to wrangle some stars for the movies he makes. Well, (laughs) you watch the doco on him, and his the way he got all those stars was that he would not cast the movie until two weeks before they started shooting. Yeah, and then he would just ring around to all the agents and go, "Who 
who can work in two weeks? Yeah. If they were going to get a bigger paying job, they would have got it already. So they just like so. Genius. And he said, "I'll you know I can pay you this." And they well, you know, do you want money the they would make otherwise? Yeah. Ben so, Kingsley, for example, is in it. Yeah, like, that's, yeah. and that's how he got it. It's a yeah. genius idea. Yeah. Like, it's perfect planning. I agree. Well, I went with Spencer Tracy on that one. So, first thing that came to my mind was... Um, I, mean, I could have gone, yeah, I could have gone Humphrey Bogart. I yeah. could have gone any of well, those James guys. Stewart was my go-to because he used to be my favourite actor of all time. But, I don't know, in the last four or five years, Spencer Tracy's just overlapped that. Yeah, right. Stuff like Inherit the Wind and Bad Day at Black Rock. Just well, Bad Day at Black Rock. Watching him do his karate. <laughs> his one-armed karate is just amazing. And I know those two are great, but I also recently watched um, oh, Northwest Passage, which he's really good in, and Father of the Bride, of course. Like those monologues he does to camera yeah. in Father of the Bride. I just think he's a remarkable actor. So that's where I went with that one. Yeah. Uh, next one was favorite female actor, and I went with Olivia Coleman on that one. Oh, I don't know what it is. I've got a mad crush on her for some reason. I don't know whether it was Broadchurch or something else, but there's something about her that I just am attracted to. I was watching her not too long ago, and I think I talked about it on the show late last year, that Cuban Fury, the dance movie. Yeah, with, yeah. And she she plays like his sister, the <laughs> what's his name, Nick Frost's sister yeah. in it, and she's so hilarious. But she, she's great in in Peep Show as well. Like she's, she's good. In, she's got some of the best bits in Peep her Show. Her dramatic acting is intense and yeah. amazing. Her comedy stuff is great. Uh, I saw her do like sketches. Was she on the Big Show as well? Something like that. Yeah, I think she's done a lot or of that. Big kind Train of, or something like that. Yeah, train. Yeah, she's, yeah. yeah, she's great. So that was my favorite female actor. What about you? So I, I finally I went with Margot Robbie. Oh, good one. Because she's like uh, even the films I haven't seen, like stuff like which I will never see, like Focus. Yeah, I'm like okay, that you know that's fine. You can do a Will Smith. I don't really like con man movies. Yeah, I don't yeah. like those I ones don't where you, you can't trust anyone. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, I Tonya, I I Tonya, I really rated. Yep. Babylon, I thought was great. Amsterdam, I liked. Her, the Suicide Squad, especially the second one, not the first one that was shit, but the but second she's one good is in the great. first one though. She's the only thing that's worth watching yeah. in that film. Uh, you know, once upon a time in Hollywood. Even though, like, apart from the end part, you're like, why is she in it? Yeah. Like, why is that character in it? Yeah. But you know, everything I, I thought was great. Yep. Apart from her, I also kind of really rate Kelly McDonald. Oh, I love yeah. me some Kelly McDonald. Had, oh. had her on my list all the way from Train Spotting to oh, there's another that, that, even that puzzle movie, which I didn't really like, but she is you can't take your eyes off her. But the 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 girl in the cafe with Bill Nye, which was a kind of that. Yep. I don't know if that was actually supposed to be a film or a t- made for TV film, mm-hmm. but that movie is excellent. She's great in it. Yep. She's great in No Country for Old Men. Yeah. You know, she's great in. She pops up in the first episode of um, Call My Agent or the Ten Percent, whatever the the British yep. version of Call yep. My Agent is, where it, 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 it they were they wanted to get a boob job. <laughs> It's great. I wonder if she's ever done a movie or with Olivia surgery. Coleman. I wonder. I mean, maybe. I'll have to look that up. Right. Oh, and uh, Gosford Park. She's so good oh, in Gosford Park. She's, and she's easy on the eye. Let's put yeah. it that way. Uh, so final one is movie director, and I just had to go Spielberg with that one. I went David Robert Mitchell. Oh, right. Like his three films, he has yet to disappoint me. <laughs> He's only done three, which is usually the rule. Like that's what they are. They've got three great films in them. Yep. And then things start going to shit. Myth of the American Sleepover, which could have easily been my most underrated film, because that movie that movie is remarkable because it makes you feel nostalgic for a, t- a time period you never <laughs> yeah. experienced. Yeah, and the same with which I found it's the same with It Follows. Like, take the horror aside. Yeah, 
just that it, kind of, it makes you feel like you're on end of year holidays. Yeah, yeah. Where you've got months, seemingly months of your your time is your own, and you can just you ride your bike and hang out with your friends, and you you with nowhere to go and no nowhere to be, and you're just <laughs> completely free, and it, it just is amazing feeling. And under a silver lake, which uh, yeah. I said, you've I'm just, totally right. you've made me feel really sad for my <laughs> loss of childhood because <laughs> I had that childhood too, and yeah, I want it back. <laughs> there we go. Well, that was a bit of fun. There we go. I think that went a lot longer than we thought. Uh, Certainly did. Good. I talked about it too yep. much. <laughs> but there we go. have been one of my favourite songs that we've ever played on the show, Running With The Wolves by the Norwegian songstress Aurora. And that's a fitting way to uh, to move into our featured interview. The song itself was featured on a really great animated film called Wolfwalkers. I don't know if you've heard of that one. It's great. It's a final part of a folklore trilogy. Um, the other two were Secret of the Kells and Song of the Sea. Ooh. I reckon it's up your alley. I reckon you'd enjoy it. But it's the perfect segue to Daniel Steisen. 
Um, check out the banner for today's episode and you'll see how fucking massive this guy is. <laughs> He's a unit. Huge uh, bodybuilder turned actor. Um, and uh, yeah, just an old brand or old school style of uh, action hero here, straight from the school of Stallone and Schwarzenegger, which he's going to talk about in a few minutes. But he's worked his way up through a lot of bit roles in big movies, and now he's doing his own, you know, lead roles in some smaller movies. But geez, they're pretty good. Some of his recent ones were The Last Man Down, uh, Retribution, and now his new ones called The Siege. But before I throw to this interview, one thing I wanted to mention, he's got a movie coming out that I think you and I are going to want to see as soon as we possibly can, Ben. It's a movie called A Christmas Cop. And it is essentially a, a cop movie done Christmas story style and his character is called Detective Sergeant Nils Scroogeson. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm all about that. It's also got William Forsyth in it, uh, James Morrison and Fred Williamson. They're, they're also in oh, it. Excellent. So that's one I think we're going to have to look out for. I did want to Most definitely. I did, so. I, I did want to talk about that uh, in the interview, yeah. but he was a bit more keen to talk about another upcoming movie he's got. Coming <laughs> <out>. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I'm not going to push that. You're a big guy, and yeah. you could probably strangle me through Zoom. You talk about whatever you want, mate. Yeah, that's right. It's a great little chat, not too long. Um, have a listen, and we'll see you on the other side. Well, this is cool. It's so great to be chatting with you. Welcome to the Good Movie Monday verse. How are you? I'm very good. I'm I'm up in London. You're in London. It's early town. in the morning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what does your um what does your morning ritual consist of? Do you uh do you have any particular routine? It's it's a lot of it's a lot to do with food and supplements. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so it's like I do I always have my oats, oats with some proteins, and then I stack with it, uh, vitamins and different things, you know. So this is something I've done. The old thing is something I did from childhood and then I went into bodybuilding and I was continue with it. So I always have some oats in the morning. <laughs> it sounds like a good routine. Maybe I yeah. should take a leaf out of your book. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to throw a blanket question out to you about the film that we're talking about, The Siege. And I want to know what drew you to this project to begin with. Before this, we made a movie called Last Man Down and it was quite successful. It's a kind of independent action film also a little bit like inspired by the, by like Arnold and Stallone movies from the eighties. Mm -hmm. And it, it got really successful. Um, Philippe Mart uh, Martinez contacted me about the siege. He said, Oh, I think you would be perfect for this film. And and then we had a conversation and, we, and then he put me in touch with Brad that directed it. And we had a good conversation. We kind of, after this, I knew, yeah, I would like to do this because it's kind of a movie I would like to watch when I grew up. And, and you know, it's, it's important to enjoy things and make things you like, you know. So <laughs> that's the thing. So there's more. The drive was this kind of make something I would like to see as a teenager or a child. So that's why this has happened for me. Well, I mean, that's nailed it on the head because that's exactly how I felt when I was watching this. The movie opens up with such a unique and quirky sequence that is loaded with action and yet it's very whimsical and comical. And that's an interesting tone for a movie like this to take. Was the script as offbeat and quirky as what the movie was? Yeah, well, it, it, everything is a, a evolvement. You know, it's kind of evolved. Mm -hmm. while you start working on it so we had the script it's more or less yes 
But then kind of when me and Brad started doing our Zoom call about the script, about the character, we kind of get a more sense of how we want to make it. Mm. So it's, 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 yes, it is, but it's also a kind of evolvement while you develop it or you go into pre-production through this process of conversations and ideas and, you know, Mm-hmm. And and he, he I remember he said he 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 want to try to have a it's an action film but a touch of comedy on it you know not 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 too dark but some in between you know humor absolutely so I think he managed I think he managed to get that combination quite good because it's not an action comedy but it's kind of acting with some element of lightness in between absolutely it's full of really good ideas and. Having the um, the genre, the action genre that it is, take place on the fringes of like the spy and espionage world, is quite unique. I haven't quite seen it done like this before. And like you mentioned, Brad, your director, he went he went all out with the violence in this one, which I like in a movie like this. It's very brutal. Yeah. Was it a was it a really tough shoot physically? It was a brutal shoot of <laughs> several reasons. Yeah. So first of all. When we shot this movie, we're still in kind of semi-lockdown in, in the UK. Not proper lockdown, but it's kind of still in the end of it. So you had these kind of bubbles. When you shoot a movie, you have to be in a bubble. Mm-hmm. And that just make it a little bit more complicated, you know, with logistic and everything. It's just that we we were shooting this in a film studio up in north of England. Mm-hmm. And, and um, like in the movie, on set, nobody's allowed to leave the set. Uh, the facilities. <laughs> Everyone had to stay on the facilities. And then we had a hotel very close by that we could stay in, you know, kind of. So it was kind of sealed off. Make everything a little bit more complicated, but still good. And we had a very short shooting time. So we were sh- we shot this film over 20 days. And that's hard. That's brutal because it's like, you don't have time for mistakes. You don't have time to make a lot of takes. Mm-hmm. You may, you know, you have, it's best of three. You know, it's kind of, you can't do your, you don't, you don't have the time to do five or 10. It's like best of three, that's it. And and you don't have room for mistakes. So, so that's how you make this film. And, and um, also because we shot it in November and we shot a lot of night shoots, as you can see, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, November in north of England is cold. <laughs> and 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 when I'm I'm I was in a tank top most of the film, you know. And and um, when we discussed the costume, I didn't think about it. Either <laughs> did Brad, you know, or the costume. So when we start shooting, and it's like the first day, no problem. And when we went into night shoots, and it's like zero degrees. <laughs> that was yeah. tough. That was tough. So, <laughs> so, so I'm like, I remember I said, "Oh, if if I knew, I would, I would propose another costume." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> did <laughs> they have it was so freezing? Did they have things so, aside for you after the take? Something like of, a warm of soup, course, or, of, yeah. of, 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 of course, and and uh, a bath rope, you know, and <laughs> that sort of things. But you know, it's like. When you do a lot of takes, the thing is you can do a take and take it on and it's fine, you know. But when you when you've done it for like five hours, yeah, it doesn't matter if you take it on, you're still cold. <laughs> so but at least a lot of action mm-hmm. keep you going, you know, you it, it it make you warm and all this. But still it's amazing because what 
I think this is something I like with, I come from bodybuilding. When, when you're on a diet for bodybuilding, you don't enjoy the process of dieting mm-hmm. and all this, but you enjoy the result. And when you look back on, back on it, you can be proud of yourself for all things you achieved and, and the process of achieving. And I think the same with film sometimes. You know, you have fun, but like this moment is so cold. You kind of, oh, why didn't we shoot another, like with a little bit more close on or whatever. But after, I'm so happy I did. And it's this challenge you do to yourself and you come through it and, and you're still alive, you know, and 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 <laughs> you see, see it on the screen. It's like, this is the reward. So yeah, it was uh, tough, but I still enjoy it, you know, kind of. This is yeah. something I, I dreamed about doing all my life. So I, I do my dream, you know, it's, so whatever that's going to be, you know, you need to go through a lot of things and that's a part of the process. And, and I love the whole package, you know? Yeah, absolutely. That's given me a good yeah. opportunity just to sidestep for a second. And I'll come back to the movie, but um, you're living your dream at the moment and you, you know, you said that you have been a bodybuilder, but what got you into acting? Where was the moment that you decided to switch course? Oh, I think it was when I saw Arnold in Commando. Yeah. Carry this big log with a cigar in his mouth. I think that was the <laughs> result. Maybe. Uh, this is how I want to be when I'm old. <laughs> so, yep. so definitely, it's definitely Arnold and it's definitely Stallone and to a degree Van Damme because it's like what formed me in, and it come down to the muscles, the bodybuilding, and the films combined is kind of, when I saw those movies, I probably was 10, 11 or something, you know, and you see Commando, and then you see Rambo, and and then Bloodsport, you know, and, and or Kickboxer or whatever, money do the splits, uh, Fandam, you know, and all these combinations like, oh, that's, that's how I want to be when mm-hmm. I'm old, you know, and, and, of course, that's that's not a that's not a real man necessary in that sense. It kind of, but that's as a young, it's like, oh, I want to be like these guys, you know, kind of. So it definitely inspired me a mm-hmm. lot, and then of course my my dad too, because he used to do bodybuilding and he owned mm-hmm. a gym. So I grew up in this environment of muscles, powerlifters, bodybuilders, strongman, and. Um, he introduced me to Arnold in in a book. You know, he he had his. Do you remember Arnold made a book in the seventies, like a bodybuilding mm-hmm. book? Um, and he, my dad had this one. So I remember he opened this and showed me. Like I was young, you know. It's like explain about this guy. You know, he came from Austria and become a bodybuilder, and then he went to America and and he made movies and 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 all this. And and then I remember I saw the picture of him. And Franco Colombo on Venice Beach, you know, they do their poses <laughs> yeah. and everything. So this this is where this is where those seeds combination with watching those movies. And I tell you, my mom wouldn't let me watch those movies when <laughs> I was 11, but I kind of figured out a way to I went to a friend of mine and we were kind of <laughs> we had a, a cassettes of VH. And we watched them illegal, you know. It's like we didn't tell our moms. <laughs> yeah, that's like a rite <laughs> of passage for yeah, every yeah, kid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so my I think my dad knew 
but he was more like, relaxed with it. But my mom, no, you're not allowed. <laughs> you have to wait a few more years. And I, like, yeah, yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> and now look at you. Now look at you living the uh, dream. <laughs> yeah. So, so at least I'm in the process of, of, of achieving those uh, dreams I had as a child. Mm-hmm. I've done my bodybuilding thing and I'm doing the movie thing. I'm on the road at least. So, and, and um, when I get older, I see it a little bit different than as a child. So now it's more about, I love the process of it. Mm-hmm. I love the process of achieving, setting a goal. Yep. And then it's okay. I'm going to try to do this within the next five, 10 years. And um, I put all my energy into it. I try to learn. I try to listen to people that have more knowledge than me. And I try to implant it into me and my life and then kind of find my way to go through it, you know? So now it's not so much about necessarily the dreams I had mm-hmm. as a child. It's more about the process of them. And like making a movie is challenging, but it's also fun. Again, it's come down to this, like, I do what I wanted to do as a child and I'm doing it. And I'm so I'm I'm so lucky. I deserve it because I work hard for it. And 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 that's important to remind me. It's like myself is like, yeah, I'm doing it. You know. Hopefully, I can do it for the next 10, 20 years. You know. I hope so Hopefully, because it's so, a pleasure so. to watch you. It's 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 amazing to watch you and your oh, career you. up until thank now. So like the road in which you've traveled. You know, you've been involved with some very big projects like Edge of Tomorrow, mm. Jurassic Park, Fallen Kingdom, Paddington even, and, and Justice League. But what I want to know is now you're leading some very, very kick-ass action movies. What lessons did you take from those big ones that translate to the ones you're doing now? So I would say it was a part of the process. All is about a part of a, pro- a process. So when I, something I learned from bodybuilding is like, you know, in bodybuilding, you take time. You're not going to be look like Arnold within a year after you go to start going to the gym. It's going to take many years. It's a process of 10, 15 years. Daily, 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 training, food, food, food. And then after five years, 10 years, you get the results. In film, I approach it the same way because I, when I started doing this, I was in my, my, my late 20s. And I kind of learned from the process of, of bodybuilding. So I kind of, okay, I want to do the film thing now. It's going to take time. And I start first, I set up of a couple of years where I went to school of courses, you know, I stunt courses in London. I went to acting courses in Los Angeles. I study everything I can around film for a couple of years, two, three years. And then after I set off two, three years where I just going to be on set, do whatever it is to learn. So mm-hmm. it could be because I, I did a lot of stunt training. So I was on a few films as a stuntman, a stunt trainee. I was in some movies as an extra. I was in a, a movie set as a, just behind the camera to support things. And some I had small parts. And the whole process of that made me ready to do what I do today, combined with the the courses and all this. So all those movies, they tease me a lot about how you do film on film set, because one thing is how it's in the book, another thing is how it's done in reality. And of course, there's a big difference from shooting an indie film and a studio production of 300 million. That's that's a big difference. Yep. 
but still it kind of gave me a good feeling of just like how it worked, you know, how 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 the structure, the military structure of a film set, you know, on those big movies, you maybe have a thousand people involved. And it's like it's like like it's, it's like when you see the U.S. Army come in, you know, uh, set up bases and all this. It's the same thing, you know. You have this huge thing that just work together and 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 make this amazing thing. So so yeah. So all these processes just is a part of the process process of being ready to do my own movies. So yeah. It's, I mean, you definitely put everything you have into these movies and it tells and it shows on the screen. And I hope that people that are listening to this conversation really now feel compelled to go and explore more of your work because um, it is quite, like I said right at the start, it's quite unique what you do on the screen. And you talk about all those big action stars, you know, Schwarzenegger and Van Damme. You have your own unique thing on screen. So I do hope that people listening to this okay, will go out and, um, and try to explore your work a little more before I, I do let you run and we wrap up i want to ask you one more thing you have a movie coming out called fight pride um i want to ask you all about that yeah. what is this movie so it's not made yet but it, we're going to make it this year it's fight pride is um it's a is is a man called yank he's from a, a working class america and um you have to do you have to fight to provide money because he loses his job and he have to provide fight to provide money for himself and and a child he meets like a homeless child mm. so it is um interesting thing is this is a comeback of Sheldon Lettish who made Bloodsport he wrote <laughs> Rambo 3 Double Impact Hard Target mm -hmm. uh, Lionheart and all these Fandam movies and um He's gonna direct it, so that's um, that's something I'm looking forward to. You know, it's it's um, it's not a martial. It, it is a martial art film, but it's more like a drama. It's a mm -hmm. drama with martial arts. You know, so it's more like, yeah, it's more it's more like in the in the genre of Lionheart and Rocky and the Warrior. Yeah, there's a drama with fighting. It's not like a complete fight movie well i look forward to that and i hope that um closer to the time that that comes out we get another chance to talk all about it it would be great um i've had a i've had yeah. a thrill chatting with you today so thanks so much okay thank you so much and um good luck with everything egon egon welcome to bonehead weekly fun size today we're going to talk about stuntman because stuntmen have the best stories by far and we're going to talk about the greatest stuntman hollywood ever knew who is it james the fall guy you ever no. see that show that's a good hal, show hal needham hal needham is fascinating because not he started out as a he has a fantastic biography if you ever get a chance to read it but he started out as a stuntman became the, one of the world's best stuntmen he grew up a poor sharecropper son from arkansas went to the military learned how to he tests he tested parachutes the man had no fear he lived in burt reynolds's burt reynolds guest house for 10 years after so many divorces but he went on to direct smoking the bandit several other things james what did you want to say about him i can't believe you did several other you got to talk about hooper hooper i mean there's a lot i have the original it's one. the hooper. chef yeah yeah i <laughs> no, bought it I, last I, year i i have a quote from him and i love this quote because it's probably accurate i i can't I don't know that it's not accurate. I don't know that it's accurate, but it seems like it would be accurate. Here's this quote. 
basically on why he got into directing, I guess. I'm too old and too rich to do any more stunts. Some stuntmen become actors, but Hollywood is a cast-oriented society. Most of the time, you don't have the opportunity to get out of your field if you're a grip, an electrician, stuntman, set designer, director, or actor. Basically, your typecast is what you are. So he once he became a director, I guess he decided he didn't want to risk he, it. He wanted to make comedy action pictures. That's all he wanted to make. It's all he wanted to make. I want to say it one more time. It's all he wanted to make was comedy action pictures. That was it. And it, he not only did those things, you know, the truck, the camera truck, the rig. Yeah. Hal Needham. That was Hal Needham. Hal Needham also went on to own his own NASCAR team through the 80s. He was so damn rich. In fact, they shit so much, the critics shit so much on Smokey and the Bandit Part 2 when it came out that he took a full page ad in Variety with him pulling a huge, it was like, a, it wasn't really a red wagon, but it's some sort of wagon thing filled with money because that's, he was making a lot of money. Well, as I would say, and, and if it wasn't for a certain Star War, he yeah. would have had the number one movie of the year. It's, he would have had the number one movie in 77. Star Wars was number one. Number two was Smokey and the Bandit. Chad, one of our favorites. I was just going to say some of the things that you didn't mention that he invented in, in terms of, of filmmaking. He invented the air ram, the airbag, the car cannon turnover, the nitrogen ratchet, the jerk-off ratchet. It's literally a thing. Yeah. Um, rocket power and the shot maker camera car. Uh, all these make the camera car was safer. what I was talking about earlier. Yeah. Uh, all of them made stunts safer, so and, and uh, made 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 the movies cooler in in the in the same time, same rate. Yeah, if you not for if you don't know a lot about Hal Needham and you think, oh man, he gave us Cannonball Run and Cannonball Run too. There is more to the man. Did he make classic pictures? We well, made one classic picture. I'll stand by Smoking the Bandit. Uh, Hopper, it, you I'm gonna punch Hooper, your mama Hooper. square in the back. It, it there's not a year goes by that i don't watch it my kid i mean and the jerry reed songs help it but my kid still sings along he captured something it's a terrible screenplay it makes very little to no sense specifically if you're not in america or, or even at the time about coors beer it makes no sense why would they need to go all the way to, to texarkana kansas or texarkana texas to get coors but the movie is a classic and it holds up for some damn reason well even in high def when you see that sally field person has a mustache in that shot where she's driving yeah 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 it's like the dress he couldn't find one stunt guy that didn't have a mustache to double for sally but well, so anyway, now, we stop men. Yeah, stop 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 performers. We should say yes. That's absolutely correct. And that'll wrap up this week's Bonehead Weekly Fun Size. Now we're going to end so Ben can talk about his love of Megaforce. All right, everybody, get your pens out, take some notes because we're going to recommend some movies to you. One movie each. Yeah, what are we going to do? Like, I had to think really hard about this one, mate. Um, because the movie I wanted to talk about, not easy to come by, but I thought, fuck it. It's such a good movie. I want to recommend it. And people can do a little bit of work and you can't get this on streaming platforms, but you sure can pick it up on eBay or something. So if you like the sound of it enough, do that. 1996, it's a movie called Beautiful Girls, which I'm sure you know. Timothy Hutton, Uma Thurman, Matt Dillon, Natalie Portman, Michael Rappaport, Max Perlich, who you don't hear of anymore. Rosie O'Donnell, Mira Salvino, David Arquette. What a phenomenal cast. It's a great cast. It's a great film. Yes, it I is. I really rate It's one of those like perfect winter Sunday afternoon kind of movies. It's yeah. a comfort movie. And it's 
essentially a big chill style of reunion movie, uh, all set in a small town during winter, and it revolves around the relationships of a high school group and Timothy Hutton plays one that comes home and sort of him coming home digs up some, you know, memories from the past yeah. and some conflict. And I think I've got it on DVD. Like yeah, it was, you can jump it on, you can get it on eBay. Yeah, yeah, you can. Oh, there's some great stuff in it too. Like I don't like Rosie O'Donnell, but she's phenomenal she's in this great. movie. And Natalie Portman is, I don't know if this was before Leon or after. 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 This is a few years after. A, yeah. And it was her first major film after that one. Right. But she's got some real emotional stuff going on in this one because mm. she plays a little girl. I think in this she's 12 or 13. Yeah. And she has a crush on Timothy Hutton. And when he has to reject her because of the age difference and that breaks her heart, it's such a moment. Such a moment. Yeah, but he ends up having... A, he's got a bit of a crush on her too. He does, but he knows the reality, right? Yeah. And he, and he says that to her. He goes, you know, if, I was 10, if you were 10 years older or I was 10 years younger, this would be perfect. Yeah. And... She just has the best moment in that movie, but um. But there, I love all of the stuff about rich man, poor man. Like you can't watch it. Yeah. You can't. <laughs> you you got to watch it on TV, in one go, <laughs> no, with with the ads. Yeah. The only way to watch it. <laughs> it's um, it's a it's a strange movie too because it's got such a huge Hollywood cast like Uma Thurman that comes straight off Pulp Fiction, uh, but it's a movie that didn't really perform well. It, you know, people like us loved it, but mm. it's not something people would hold in you know, high well, regard. Well, it's it's I th- I think it's like I discovered it on video, yeah, like on home, yeah, on home video. So I wonder if it's one of those. It's just one of those movies that, for whatever reason, didn't do it at the box office. But it's a perfect discovery film. Yeah, when you are looking for your like yeah. you pick up you know two new releases for five bucks or definitely five weeklies for five bucks or whatever your video store's deal was. Yeah, and you you just. You pick it up on a whim because it's one of many and then you pop it in and you're like, holy shit, that was great. Uh, yeah, absolutely. It's directed, by the way, by I think Ted Demi. Um, mm-hmm. He's no longer with us, but he's done some amazing things over the years. But anyway, that's what I wanted to mention. I just want to uh, to bring that to people's attention. Go and go and check it out. It's a, it's a feel-good movie. And they sing the great moment. They sing Sweet Caroline in this yeah. movie and it is just infectious and you want to sing along with them. Every time that it just makes me think of Evil Woman, aka Saving Silver. <laughs> if whenever you have the opportunity to bring that up, bring that up, I you, do. You will. I just I watched the closing <laughs> credit sequence again the other day on YouTube, and I'm like, this movie is so. Good. I might add, it's probably one of only two movies that I like Michael Rappaport in as well. Not, it's, a, not a big fan. They of that curtail guy. his annoyingness. Yeah, <laughs> he's great and justified though. He's pretty. Yeah, he's pretty for me, it's justified. just this and True Romance are the only things I can tolerate tolerate him in. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So he is, I think he's an acquired taste. He's all over TikTok as well, and like oh, he's got he? a podcast. He's very opinionated and and is, aggressively I've, opinionated. I've listened to his podcast early on when he was just talking to famous people, and yeah. it was, it was oh, that right. that stuff's okay. But he gets opinionated and then yeah. goes on rants, and I don't mind that. But like his rants are just so narrow, and like you know, yeah. anyway, it's his podcast. He can do what he wants. He can do what he wants. That's he probably right. hates that's this why, one. That's why you have a podcast. <laughs> he doesn't even know our names. <laughs> I'm going to tag him. <laughs> All right, recommend something, mate. Look, I, I, I went along to the Cinemaniac screening of Jesus Christ Superstar in conversation with Peaches. Uh, I don't know when it was, last week? Yep. And I have, I've never actually, I'd never actually seen Jesus Christ Superstar on the stage or the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was pleasantly surprised. It's, a, it's an interesting film and... The, the conceit of it, of which I believe is movie specific, because it's based on the Andrew Lloyd Webber, yep. um, Tim Rice musical. musical stage show, yep. 
Um, but, it, you know, the group of hippies go out to the middle of the desert to put on this production, seemingly for themselves. Yeah. And it blends um, the kind of... the And they do it in Nazareth. It's meta. Like, yeah, yeah, they do it in Nazareth. Yeah. They actually shoot it all in Israel, yeah. you know, where Jesus kind of was and all that sort of stuff. And, yeah. you know... But they still have they have guys with guns and mm-hmm. like this. Orth, the Romans are presented presented as these authoritarian. Orth, authoritarian sounds like a Baz Luhrmann um, movie. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, kind of you know um, almost. Um, oh, what's the word? Um, dystopian kind yep. of rulers, you know, and guards and stuff. But the thing that I found most most interesting about it, and the which and I, I look, I'm not in any way religious, so my knowledge of these things is pretty limited. Yeah. But the way the movie comes across, and it's mainly the conflict between Jesus and Judas. Yep. Is that Jesus is a whiny little bitch <laughs> who is totally bought his own press, and is he's like a TV evangelist, like yep. you know, please donate because I need money to buy this jumbo jet. Yeah. Yeah. You know, totally um, kind of thing, and. Judas is like, hang on, what are you doing? Like, shouldn't you, this this stuff will feed all these poor people for a year, and yeah. you're just going to blow it all tonight, kind of thing. Like, and it's and the music is pretty. It's very much a kind of seventies. I like the music from this musical. Um, to be honest with you, it's all pretty good. It's you know, and there's a lot of people in it that I wasn't expecting to be, in, including Paul Thomas, yeah, uh, the porn the porn director and actor. Who is who's great, but and he gets a couple of times he sings, and you're like, how did they cast? Like this was before he went into porn. Yeah, yeah. You're like, how did they cast this guy? Because he must have just been around. See, this is an issue with Andrew Lloyd Webber movie adaptations because it was the same with Gerard Butler doing bloody Phantom of the Opera. The second he opens his mouth, it's like, why did you cast this guy? Like, yeah. it's supposed to be the greatest voice in fucking theatrical history. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, and yeah, Emmy Rosen, yeah, fantastic voice. <laughs> yeah. Great in Phantom of the Opera. Yeah, well, I, look, I, I'm a sucker for Andrew Lloyd Webber. Like, I know he cops a lot of shtick as well, you know, just because of, I guess he's a very... What's oh, the word I'll take it? him over... Um, <laughs> uh, who's the other guy? The Sunday in the Park with George and Sondheim. David ah, Sondheim. Yeah. Have, you know... But then I really... I like that that Tick, Tick, Boom movie with uh, Andrew Garfield, who <laughs> yeah. is another actor who traditionally I hate. Yeah. I have a real problem with him. But Under a Silver Lake is excellent. Tick, tick, boom, he's great. You don't have to... Into the, the Spider-Man movie, he's great. The, oh, no, the he most is recent good. one. He is good, but like he, he, there's, a, there's a stigma about him. Like, but, you yeah. know, he's, he's good in social network too. I just... <laughs> the fact that he was... He was um, <laughs> he was dating uh, Emma... Who's the one from Easy A and the oh, Ginger? Emma Stone. Emma Stone. <laughs> yeah. The fa- that really upset me too. Was, <laughs> well, you... His, you too. His, his little moment at the Oscars was fantastic. I don't. Well, know he's on the it. phone. No, they oh, um, during they, the slap. They said like, um, it's great to have so and so in the audience and so and so in the audience, and we've got Spider Man in the audience. And it cut to him. Everyone was expecting Tom Holland, <laughs> yeah. and he does the whole shoulder shrug, like, "Well, <laughs> it's me." <laughs> <laughs> so he's like, he's the famous one in the background of the when the Will Smith snaps. Yeah, uh, yeah. Snap He's the one like on this on his phone under the table. <laughs> Like even the people at the Oscars couldn't believe it was real. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> anyway, awesome. There you go. That's um, that's that's another show for the week, mate. We've we've run it to the another end. One. <laughs> Big thank you uh, to Daniel Steisen for the chat, and thanks to Defiant Entertainment for helping to make that one happen. His movie is The Siege. It's out on DVD, so go and give it a look. 
Big thanks to the Good Movie Monday players, uh, Jarrett, of course, for his little physical entertainment PE class there. Um, it's good to chat with him live. I enjoy doing that on the show. Joe, Chad and James from the Bonehead Weekly, thank you guys for another great segment. Hell Needham. Um, what a legend. That was a good little segment. <laughs> and, um, once again, we are on all the social media pages, so please find us and drop us a line. Good Movie Monday will link you to all the right places. And we'll be back again next week. And I'm going to get it right this time. We've got director Sarah Spillane on the show next week. Uh, are you a, sure? <laughs> as our special guest. She's the director of a new movie called True Spirit. Ben and I are going to have a chat with her. And then uh, then maybe the week after that, we'll do some Tom Matthews magic. <laughs> maybe I should just promise that all the way through yeah. the year. <laughs> it's, like, it's like our Matt Damon. <laughs> Sorry, Matt Damon. We had to bump you for time. <laughs> It'll be the final episode. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's it, Ben. Thank you, mate. Another one in the bag. Fantastic. Thank you, mate. I'll catch you next week. See you next week.